My kid wants to go to visit a college in eighth grade? Let's let's send them all to that Brenda lady. And so we took him out to college. My friend Brian held had his Bible study group and they just did this fun weekend retreat with the kids. They got to stay in the dorms and go to a college basketball game and have these experiences that were, you know, really not in their purview. And that weekend, all of them became Christian. And I came back from that weekend saying, my life just changed because I cannot leave these 18 undiscipled with their home situations and their they're, you know, this is just brand new. My life just changed. I have to put a lot of focus into these kids. So I did. I did. It was it just, it was just, oh, my heart. It was just one of those seasons of scary good. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Hello, Altered Story Show listeners. This is your Chief Storyteller host, Michelle Saunders-Gutch. And welcome to my 100th episode, Brenda's Daring to Love and Daring to Forgive God's Story. What a special episode this is going to be. Friends, before we get started, this show started, I would like to take this opportunity to thank my God for blessing this show with such amazing Christian women guests, such as Brenda and listeners, and for also giving me the strength and stamina to keep this podcast going. This has been an incredible journey of personal growth and blessing. And it takes a great support team, too. So bear with me, friends, as I go through these credits. I want to thank my husband, Mark Gutch, my podcast production team, Kadosh Media, the Altered Stories Ministry Board Team, Lipson Hosting, Eric Nevins and the Christian Podcasters Association, Misty Phillip and her, her Spark Media team, Trisha Cordes, my virtual assistant and podcast manager, and all of you who listen to my show that shares Christian women's God stories around the world and is part of the Spark Media Network and can be heard on the Edify app, the world's most powerful Christian app. And friends, I'm going to get just a little emotional here. As I reflect on the last four years as host of this Altered Story show, I am amazed at how God has brought to the show many many Christian women, God stories, and so many women around the world have been able to hear them. And I love how the God story shared has helped grow our global listening audience. And we are being listened to in over 55 countries. And friends, if we didn't have this awesome technology that we have today, we wouldn't have our global listeners. 
And in celebration of this major milestone, I'm also excited to share that I will be creating an Altered Story Show digital podcast devotional download that will be highlighting many of my past episodes and will include encouraging scripture verses and places to take notes as you listen to our healing episodes. You will also be able to purchase this download off our website for a small fee or donation and at that time can subscribe to our newsletter too. So look for the announcement of this download on our social media pages and in our newsletter. And friends, I also wanted to share some very exciting news that I've signed a book contract with Redemption Press Publishings to publish my healing memoir book that will also share my altered story that brought me to my ministry calling as the founder and CEO of Altered Stories Ministries. All sales of this book, when it's published, will go directly to the ministry. And I can't wait to start raising funds to cover this book through their Jumpstart program. So stay tuned and check out some of my personal social media pages. Now, enough of all of this. Let's get to the show and get started. And it is with great excitement that I introduce my 100th episode. Very special guests. I have not just one, I have two. Brenda Seafelt Amadea and her husband, John. And Brenda is a pastor, speaker, author of the I Wish I Could Take Away Your Pain book. Oh, friends, isn't that precious? She's a wife, a mom to four men with their own brave stories. Her life is a story of brave faith and brave decisions and getting her heart smashed. John, her husband, is a lifelong musician, retired professional paintball player. Oh, that's so cool. And together, Brenda and John own a paintball media company. He married Brenda and her boys 25 years ago and helps Brenda lead her church. And friends, he's going to sing one of his original songs for us. So Brenda, I would also like to ask you in the song, it's written that this pain is the beginning and this pain is a door to distrusting God. Can you explain that? Hello. We're just going to jump right in on this, aren't we? But this is this is what I've learned. And from my story, which I know we'll get to, but pain is not a mistake to fix and that we are hardwired for pain and healing rarely comes without pain and pain is a meeting place with God. Pain is is your beginning. A broken heart is always your beginning. And while my story is full of the brave decisions that also sometimes lead to getting your heart smashed, pain is always a beginning. Or it is this pain, is it the door to distrusting God? You know, is God good? Is God close to you? Because shame will creep in and then lie to you. And this is what John's song is about, because um, he shares his life with me. Mm-hmm. 
How do you see me, Lord? Do you see me in my shame? How do you love me, Lord? Do you love me just the same? How do you know me, Lord? Do you call me by my name? How do you love me, Lord? In the state I'm in. How do you love me, Lord?
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. That is really a beautiful song. So, John, how long have you been writing songs? Uh, I wrote my first song when I was 15, so about 20 years. Liar. I'm kidding. Liar. <laughs> that would be about 50 years. <laughs> do you do you uh, just perform at church and and sing, you know, there or? Yeah, I am the worship leader at our church. Um, oh, wow. Cool. But my music history goes way back to when I was a kid. I've, I've been, you know, playing in clubs and doing the whole music scene for, you know, since I was a teenager. Um, house full of musicians I grew up in. So it's kind of what we do. Wow. Sounds like you need to be on the voice. <laughs> a lot of worship, a lot of worship people go there and try out and, geez. God elevates them. It's so cool. Well, thank you again for blessing us with that song. And now we're going to turn this uh, interview to your lovely wife. Welcome to the show, Brenda. And how are you doing? I am good. I love that song just as much as do, And I've heard it a lot, but it's such a beautiful truth. Well, I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate my 100th episode. So, again, I'm really grateful that you shared, John, with my listeners. I would love to know, you know, a little bit. Let's talk a little bit before we jump into your God story, because I just like to know how things are going there in the Virginia area for you all. Well, it is. We live out near Washington, D.C., in the Virginia suburbs. Um, I have been here 30, 36 years now. God called me to this area when I was 18 years old, moved out here when I was 25, and have been living here, serving God every day since I've been living here. And it is, it is good. It's a good place to be, at least for me. Uh, there's, you know, the whole DC traffic thing is for real. Um, but it's a good place for me to be. And this is where I met my husband. It's where I met my kids. And this is where my story um, started in Minnesota, but it is where, again, God called me here when I was 18 and where I am just called to be, to live and to love and serve. Well, I love your servant heart. So can you just share quickly a little bit about your church? Yeah, I'd love to. We're called Larger Story Church. And we are a um, pretty new, new church, two and a half years old. We started right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and that's a whole other story. But we started meeting through Zoom um, because we, is the pandemic, right? And we found a loss of faith conversations with each other. We just weren't having these deeper faith conversations. George Floyd was happening and, and a bunch of the parents of the teens. I've been a youth pastor for 40 years of my 41 years in the ministry. And a bunch of the parents of the teens came to John and I and said, would you start a church? Um, and then part of this conversation began with, we're just missing faith conversations together. So we started meeting through Zoom because it was pandemic. And to my surprise, we started having people join from all over the United States. We have people as far as California and Texas, Minnesota, Indiana, I, I, you know, some places I don't know because they don't tell us yet, you know. And so we are continuing to meet through Zoom. We also meet on Friday nights 
because some of the people that are joining us have church baggage. And again, during the pandemic, they had the excuse to finally make that break from church. And then to go back into a church was, was just hard. And there's, you know, there's a whole lot in that. And so we decided to meet on Friday nights. And once the pandemic ended, we still decided to stay on Friday nights because people have enjoyed having their Sunday mornings back. And they've also enjoyed some of that baggage. And so we're, we're a very unique church. Um, I mean, Friday night, seven o'clock East Coast time, four o'clock California time. And our Californians jump in on that. And we have a lot of conversations during church. I, um, when I teach, we have John leads worship, by the way, and some pretty talented people around him. And it's, it's pretty good because that's how John is. And when I teach, I teach an open-ended style with conversation involved so that, and Zoom allows us to do that. So if, if I ask a question and the conversation goes in a different direction than my notes, I'm okay with going in that direction because that's where the Holy Spirit leads. That's where the questions are. And if I can answer some of these questions, particularly, we say for the teens that come who have doubts about their faith, and I can answer those questions or even better yet, some of the older adults in our church who are just as wise as me, but maybe don't like to teach, you know, can answer these questions. All of a sudden, there might be application in their life. You know, they might, and I'd, I'd say this is not, there is application in their life. They're seeing that this Christian faith is possible because all of a sudden their doubts are being addressed and their questions are being heard and they're seeing a way forward in this Christian faith. They're not left alone to figure things out. So for me, it's it's a church built for teens. But again, that's how I've lived my whole adult life. And I am pretty, I'm thrilled to be as a church still two and a half years later, just sharing these conversations and taking left turns during church. I love it. Well, that's what God has called you to. And so I'm grateful that you are doing that and that uh, we have such amazing technology, just like you and I here, we could be like sitting in the same room, but you're over on the East Coast and I'm here in the Kansas City area. So, I mean, that's, that's the amazing part of it for sure. So, so, you know, I always ask my guests this question and that is, since we're going to jump into your God story. I wanted to just kind of get from you. I know you're a storyteller, you're a speaker, you're out there telling these stories. You've written a book. (laughs) So, but I would love to know from your perspective, why do you think it's really important for women to share their stories, their testimonies, their God stories of redemption and transformation? Because we have been redeemed. We have stories, we have come to understand God in beautiful ways. And the more, again, when we share these stories, the more other people's questions and doubts may have some answers and some hope. And so I've been in this pastor role for 41 years. It's a man's world, but I just have never been slighted, never have had my voice quieted. I have just been allowed to share what God has done in my life because God has redeemed me. You know, I have a, 
a friend of mine who was a pastor. She was recently on my show, Pastor Tanya. She's up in Columbus, uh, Montana. And she has said that she always shares God's stories all the time when she's preaching and teaching from, you know, the pulpit and what, you know. So, I mean, it's a natural thing. But, you know, women I have on my podcast show will always bring different perspectives. So I love to hear the perspectives. So thank you for sharing that with my listeners. And, you know, now we're going to get to the meat of this show. I guess you would call it the the part of this that's so cool. And I I would just love to hear from you, Brenda, where your daring to love and daring to forgive God's story began. Well, it began when I was 15 years old. I had... Um, I grew up in a really good home. I will definitely say that. But at age 15, I had a very black and white experience with Jesus. Um, Before then, I don't want to spend too much time on that part, but just I had a lot of self-hatred and suicidal ideation. And then there was this one week in retreat. And it was one something my parents made me go to. And I had this beautiful Jesus experience. And when I came home from that retreat, my parents, um, again, they forced me to go on this retreat and my whole countenance changed in one weekend that when they saw me get out of the church van that Sunday afternoon, I saw them like we- cry and hug each other because I looked like I wanted to live. And and from that point on, my life has just been sold out. I've been started reading my Bible right away. I'm probably one of the rare Christians that has been reading her Bible since she, you know, got saved and has, has continued and continued. And so through that, it's probably not a shocker to anybody who knew me back then that at 18, I wound up, um, I was just, just going to school, I wound up at a church, and it was a couple of months later, they put me in charge of the junior high ministry back in 1981. And those those couple of years of that church was the my favorite time of my entire life. Um, I just loved those teens. We had several, several memorable just God moments Um you know, times in worship where we just knew God was with us. And, and so much so that three of those teens from that youth group still are in contact with me. They are 55, 54 years old. And we still talk about those very formative years. And they were formative for me, for sure, but also for them. So it was just a very special time in my life. Um, so from there, you know, God called me into the ministry full time. So I left and went off to college and um, got all the training I needed. I served in churches every every minute I was in in college, and that, then that has just continued my whole life. I've been a pastor since 1981, um, getting ordained officially in 1989. And I was until until the pandemic, I was a youth pastor until this you know this church plant came my way. So if we talk about daring to love and daring to forgive. We say teenagers who I believe in and love. And again, I, I talked to so many, many, and I, one of my loves about this Zoom church is I have quite a few teenagers from my, who are now adults who come in and spend time with me still because I just love teenagers so much. But 
you know, teenagers break your heart. <laughs> it's just part of adolescent development and part of decision making. And I have walked through so many devastating situations, whether it's been family situations or things that, you know, decisions they have made since they have committed and walking with them and through them, you know, into their 20s and 30s and with them into marriages and with them into divorces and just this constant relationship with them as they continue to hang on to a God believing, you know, is this pain a beginning in my life or is this a pain where I started to distrust God and I get the questions, I get the doubts. And this is just, this has just been the story of my ministry. But I even have an even bigger defining moment that comes out of that, that I think has shaped my life the very, very, very most. So, boy, in the early 90s, it's been quite a while now, again, working with teenagers, there was a group of boys who I met and really connected with me. They were sixth grade, seventh grade, um, came from a very underserved neighborhood, and they connected with me. They would steal my car keys so I could spend as much time with them as possible. One time I stopped in to see them in their neighborhood, and I had to go, I was on my way to a funeral, and they insisted on going with me to the funeral. <laughs> Because he wanted to just be with me this boring summer day. And I, you start to notice and pay attention to what God is doing when you see a connection like this happening, you know. Or I would come and so many times that, especially that first summer, I would sit with them on that drug corner in the neighborhood and just sit for hours and hours. And they wanted me there. So over time, um, I spent 15 years as a single working in the church as a single pastor. And we took those other, I could go into other brokenhearted stories and breakups and the church ladies talking, you know, I mean, I could go through all that for 15 years. And then I have these boys and I'm like, God, I got these boys. What am I supposed to do? I'm a single woman coming into this neighborhood. But I also found people in my, men in my church to come with me and sometimes, but it wasn't the same connection. But they did. And I had, I was, I was safe. I was safe. I'm obviously, I'm safe. So with these boys, there was a, a one weekend, one of the beautiful story, but there was one weekend, one of the men from my church went back to college and he invited them to come stay with him for a weekend at college. And all these kids, parents, I had, I took 18 kids with me from that neighborhood because their parents were like, they're in eighth grade now. My kid wants to go to visit a college in eighth grade. Let's, let's send them all to that Brenda lady. And so we took him out to college. My friend Brian held, had his Bible study group and they just did this fun weekend retreat with the kids. They got to stay in the dorms and go to a college basketball game and have these experiences that were, you know, really not in their purview. And that weekend, all of them became Christian. And I came back from that weekend saying, my life just changed. Because I cannot leave these 18 undiscipled with their home situations and their, their, you know, this is just brand new. My life just changed. I have to put a lot of focus into these kids. So I did. I did. It was just, it was just, oh, my heart. It was just one of those seasons of scary good. 
soon after that, I started dating somebody, which was, I was dating somebody, but somebody, somebody <laughs> named John. And that's a whole other beautiful, that's another brave decision I made just marrying John because again, I was 15 years single. I was pretty set in my, in my life and pretty set with God, it was, you know, God and me against the world, you know? And then John comes along and talks me into marrying him. And it was, it was, a, it was a talk. It was a good long talk, about a year and a half. <laughs> um, so I get engaged finally. I mean, I'm 32 years old and I finally get engaged. The first people we want to tell is the boys. And so we, we gather them together and we tell them, and they've met John by now, and we tell them. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I said, yes, finally. I've had a couple of other dumb proposals, but this one I said yes to. Waiting for that excitement, right? And it was, they were like, eh, until they pulled me aside and they said, we like, I, I've never, I mean, I hear this voice still in my head. We like John and all, but we think he'll be like every other stepfather and take you away from us. And in that moment, I saw what I had. And it was a few months later, um, just random. I, I, I remember where I was. I don't remember what night of the day. But I remember just God just showing me that these boys don't need a pastor. They need a parent. And I said to John, I said, we are going to be raising these boys. Are you, are you in? This is, this is part of marrying me. And we'd already at this point decided to have the kids be a part of our wedding ceremony. So, you know, they were the ushers. They were the best ushers, cutest ushers ever. Um, and some of the other, other teens that were still involved in the Bible study at the time were there. And it was, it was a big, very teen centric wedding. But at the point where John and I got married, the boys gave John away to me. And it was just this beautiful, beautiful moment, one of my favorite moments in my life. And now we've been married 25 years, it'll be 26 years in March. And these boys have become our boys. They're, you know, they're grown men now, they're all in their 40s, but we have become their parents. Some of them, some of the parents we've worked in, in conjunction with, they've just realized this was an opportunity for their teens. Some of their parents, just we're done parenting at age 18 for the kids and they became ours. And what I've learned, what they've taught me, what we've all learned, it's just been the greatest shaping of my life. But it's also been, I mean, I've had some pretty heart smash times. Um, I, you know, I remember getting dumped in the mid 80s and you know, thought that was the worst thing ever. And then I remember, you know, having some church conflict in 1990, and that was like the worst thing ever. And I remember when the first of my boys got arrested, and that was the worst time ever. <laughs> and I say, you know, the grown now, two of my boys have been in and out of, well, one's been in and out of prison, and one is serving a very long-term sentence. So prison became my life in the, by the late 90s. And we've never, we've never left them. We've gone through the whole system with them. I said, when my boys was, has been um, serving time since 1998, I've done every day of that time with him. Um, we're getting very, very near to the end of that sentence. So we're getting to that. And I, one of my boys just, just can't understand <laughs> how to not live with his shame 
and the trauma that he grew up with, and he's just in and out. And those arrests, those crimes can break a mother's heart. And it's from those, those smashed heart times where I have found God to be so near. I've, you know, I, I say often he's, he's a larger story God. That's why we named the church this. He's a larger story God because he has the end story and he knows what's going on. And I'm at this moment of, you know, year 26, 25 of a prison sentence. And God still has the end of this story. You know, there's still so much story to be written and God has all of it. And I've learned that from not being afraid of this pain, from not being afraid of, you know, loving these boys or loving teenagers or daring to go into church ministry. I mean, I've just, and I've just found God to be so near. But the other thing that I found that has been so very, very important, and this is what I wrote my book about. My book is called, I Wish I, Wish I Could Take Away Your Pain. And this book is dedicated to the people that carried me when I was just so smashed. I've had through each of these crises times, these smashed hard times in my life, I've noticed certain people who would come near, who would not give me a platitude or not give me a drive-by prayer, who would just were not afraid of my pain, not afraid of this heartbreaking story, and would stay with me. And then there were seasons, this is so important, there were seasons, one of my sons was a fugitive for four days, and then he was a fugitive again for 22 days. And those are days I could, I could barely breathe. Um, for 22 days, you run out of air and you don't even know what to do anymore, you know? And these are the friends that began to just pray for me so I didn't have to pray anymore. I could, my prayers would cause my mind to spiral. Um, like I trusted God for the outcome, but in that prayer time is when my mind would really go into the what ifs and should I have done this? What should I, anyway, you, everybody who's been there knows what I'm talking about right there. And these are the friends who I can say, I can't pray and they step in and they pray and they, and they, I know they mean it. And it's gotten so, um, I've, like I said, I've learned this. I wrote a book about this, about how to do this for your friends. This is what this whole book is about. Um, how to, it's just, it's, it's practical. It's autobiographical, but it's also very, very practical. So in 2015, when my son was a fugitive for 22 days, I had already set up these friends to be in place for me. I would, Notice the people who would ask me the hard questions or who were not afraid of crime or prison. Those are, you know, those are topics some people don't even want to have in their lives. They don't want to even know about it, you know, but some people know about it. Some people, and when I would meet friends like that, I would say, can I, can I just put you on a list so that if I need some support, some prayer, um, I can call you or talk to you. And so, during that time in 2015, um, I already had this list together and I could, you know, I let them know what was going on. And those 22 days I had, I had prayer support and I had people who were calling to talk to me who were, were saying the right things to me. You know, I didn't have to 
I didn't have to hear platitude, you know, try to, you know, they would just sit in the pain with me, say the things that I needed to hear and help me get through. And these are the people that like have defined me in these smashed heart times and got me through and shown me who, who God is. Um, if, if, if you don't mind, I could like read two pages out of my book. Um, it's a very short book. It's um, very short, very thin. It's full of doodles because it's just how I pictured it when I was reading this. But the doodles are help you understand it. But I just want to read what this feels like, I think. It says, I don't want to be tragic. I want to be normal. Yet I woke up this morning and the flood of my tragedy has already affected my day. What can you do to help me be normal? What can you do for, so that for at least a moment of this tragedy doesn't define me? Already I woke up this morning and the flood of my tragedy is defining me. Will you tell me who I am? I will only hear you half of the time. Maybe. There will be one thing you will say and I will repeat it to myself over and over and over again, clinging to it because it must be true. Because you said it to me. I may start to believe that it is, this is true about me because you said it to me. On the other side of this tragedy, I will wear a t-shirt declaring this. So, um, finding how close God is to us, when we're, you know, God close to the brokenhearted, biggest lesson in my life, and then finding the people that I can trust to carry me so I can get through those brokenhearted times have gotten me through to the other side. That's my story. Wow, Brenda, that's an incredible story. It's very touching, very touching, very impacting. It really shows who God is and how God uses others. And when we can't go to him, how important intercessors are and, you know, those warriors and people he surrounds us with because, I mean, it's gut-wrenching. As a mother, I, I know a few women who have encountered heartbreak through their children. And unfortunately, we are in a broken world and we, we fall. We're not completely there where we need to be with God in terms of our trust in him. But the fact that you have a ministry that ministers to parents, moms, you know, those who are dealing with this is really important in that you would bring that to the listeners. You would bring that out. You would be courageous. How blessed those boys are that you're standing there and God is standing in for them too. He's just trying to draw them. And I just, I don't know. I just really love that. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure you have scriptures. Do you have scriptures that you talk about in your book? Or do you have any, you know, any, like, any scriptures that really have strengthened you that you might want to share with a listener who might be dealing with this situation? You know, maybe it's the first time that, that they're encountering this. You know, there's so much with what's transpiring with our youth right now with fentanyl and, you know, other, other things that draw our youth. And it's, it takes special people, I think, to be called to our teenagers and 
I'm really grateful that you are one of them. Psalm 18 has been my anthem since I was 19 years old. I remember an older lady at my church giving it to me, and it has been my anthem. It's, it, is, it is descriptive of what happens when God, when we pray, we reach out to God in the depths. The heavens open up, and He comes down in lightning clouds, and He's, he's active on behalf of my prayers because I am crushed. It's a long psalm, but it is just full of this description. And then um, Psalm thirty-four, seventeen. of course, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I've clung to that one for a long time because, I, you know, I'm not, af- I'm not afraid of pain. I'm not afraid of being brokenhearted because I was no pain is my beginning. But I've, I've come to wonder if that psalm might also mean because I've made so many brave decisions in my life, because I am not afraid of my pain, is that why God is so close to me? I mean, because God, God saved me when I was 15 and it was a, I know Jesus loved me. I, it changed my life so much because I know God is close to me. I can make these brave decisions. I cannot be afraid of my pain. I can, I know I can make it through the other side of pain because I know pain is my beginning. And that psalm makes a whole lot more sense from that perspective because God is close to me. And I just wish this would go out all over to so many who have taken their life because they can't handle the pain anymore. They just, they just can't. They, I mean, that's why they take their life. You know, they just, they, they don't see any hope or they can't, they just can't exist in that pain anymore. Or they just, so this is that to be a very inspiring episode for those. And, you know, we all can be in that place. We all could find ourselves in that place. So it's so good to hear that you've hung in there and you've been so faithful and you turned, you know, just your pain into incredible ministry. So I uh, wanted to thank you. I know we're running short on time and this has been such a blessing and what an honor. And, you know, I just wanted to, um, before we have to wrap up, just ask that you would share kind of any contact information, you know, how can others get a hold of you? I mean, we will be putting this episode up on your episode page on our website. I mean, we will have all types of links and different information about you and all those things, but people want to reach out to you or how can they join your church or, you know, anything that you want to share. Awesome. I can't, I'm going to stop with this. I can't believe I didn't do this yet. I have six awesome grandchildren. I, that's the, this is, this, this is the best part of, I mean, my boys, oh no, my, my boys, my boys are my favorites. I cannot tell you how much I love them more than John sometimes. I mean, I love, he knows that I had them first, you know, um, but I've got six amazing grandchildren and this is the beautiful part of the story. When they were born, they knew they were loved and they knew about Jesus from the very moment they were born. This this is the story right here. And they're awesome. I got two of them are 14 now. So, you know, they're getting to my favorite age, which is 14 is my favorite age. I wish nobody would ever grow, grow up after that age. Anyway, um, to, so to find me, I write this story and the story about these brave decisions at bravester.com. That's brave, S-T-E-R.com. You can, you can order my book on 
off that webpage or you can get the Kindle version off Amazon. Um, the book comes with a really great card that you, this is the card you want to receive when you're going through a hard time. And it's just, it's just a beautiful card that ties right into the book. It's only available with the soft cover version, which you can get off my website. Um, our church is called Larger Story Church and largerstorychurch.com. It's Friday nights. You drop, you know, there's a contact form on the church page. We'll send you the Zoom link and you're invited to join in. If you are shy, you're a back row person at your church, just keep your camera off. That happens all the time. We're very okay with that. I won't call on you for the conversations part because we have too many other people that want to share anyway. So you're invited to jump in. You're invited to, um, especially if you're a parent of a teen, invite, have your teens sit with you because sometimes the teens overhearing these conversations can be one of those things where they get their doubts answered. Maybe they've never voiced it before, but they can hear one of their doubts and a story from somebody that's telling another story. And that can be the greatest gift. And we do that every week in our church where there's someone says something and it's not me. And I just, I know from my youth pastor heart is like, oh, if I could package that for every kid to hear, I know that one doubt might have an answer for them. Because after, you know, 41 years working with teens here, I think, I think I understand them a little bit. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll be coming to you when my granddaughter becomes a teen. (laughs) No. Oh. But anyway, yeah, this has been such an incredible, fun time. And thank you for blessing my 100th episode and being here and the song and just your authenticity. You're amazing. And uh, friends, yeah, you're going to just, you know, really, I think, need to share this with many and until the next show friend be heard and be healed and I'm going to add another thing I want to share that in the end God does win Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based nonprofit and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org. 